turn again please to Deuteronomy chapter 32 the song of Moses we read from verse 6 a few verses from verse 6 do ye thus requite the Lord O foolish people and unwise is not he thy father that hath brought thee or bought thee hath he not made thee and established thee remember the days of old consider the years of many generations ask thy father and he will show thee thy elders and they will tell thee when the most high divided to the nations their inheritance when he separated the sons of Adam he set the bounds of the people according to the number of the children of Israel for the Lord's portion is his people Jacob is the lot of his inheritance he found him in a desert land and in the waste howling wilderness he led him about he instructed him he kept him as the apple of his eye as an eagle stirreth up her nest, fluttereth over her young, spreadeth abroad her wings, taketh them, beareth them on her wings, so the Lord alone did lead him, and there was no strange God with him. Now, I just want to read it again in the Amplified Version. Uh, sometimes it's good to look at some other translations, provided they're recognize don't read the message and things like that but the amplified version is reasonably good so let's read it in the amplified version do you do you say do you thus repay the lord you foolish and senseless people is not he your father who acquired you for his own who made and established you remember the days of old consider the years of many generations ask your father and he will show you your elders and they will tell you when the Most High gave to the nations their inheritance when he separated the children of men he set the bounds of the peoples according to the number of the Israelites for the Lord's portion is his people Jacob or Israel we're talking about here is the lot of his inheritance he found him in a desert land in the howling void of the wilderness he kept circling around him he scanned him penetratingly he kept him as the pupil of his eye as an eagle that stirs up her nest that flutters over her young he spread abroad his wings and he took them he bore them on his pinions so the Lord alone led him and there was no foreign God with him last week we finished with the question uh, do you thus give what do you give back to the Lord you foolish people do you thus requite the Lord the Lord had been so gracious to Israel and Moses asked the question is this how you pay him back by disobedience by following false gods 
the desire of Moses was that these people would praise God. Oh, that men would praise the Lord for his goodness and his wonderful works to the children of men. The psalmist had that desire as well. How do we pay God back as if we could for all his blessings to us? We've been bought and we have been brought nigh by the precious blood of the holy spotless Lamb of God. And then we go into the next few verses. And Israel is here reminded of the graciousness of their God. You know, perhaps it's a good thing that we should take stock every now and again of the goodness of God. All the blessings we have in Jesus Christ. When we come and trust him as our saviour, we get so much. How do we requite our Lord? You know, I was just thinking about that. You go past a shop sometimes and you see a notice on the window, closed for stock taking. And maybe we should sit back sometimes and take stock of our lives. Quite often when the shoppers had stock taking, they get rid of all the, the, the stuff lying around which has been pretty useless. And they need to clear their shelves and get rid of all the, the rubbish in the shop so that they can uh, start off in their, in their next year's trading with all the rubbish taken away. Paul writing to the Ephesians has this thought really you would think in mind. Ephesians 1 verse 17. That the God of our Lord Jesus Christ the Father of glory may give unto you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. He sets out here all the blessings that the Ephesians have in Jesus Christ. The eyes of your understanding being enlightened that ye may know what is the hope of his calling and what the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints. And what is the exceeding greatness of his power to usward who believe according to the working of his mighty power. Which he wrought in Christ when he raised him from the dead and set him at his own right hand in the heavenly places far above all principality and power and might and dominion and every name that is named, not only in this world, but also in that which is to come. And hath put all things under his feet and gave him to be head over all things to the church. This Jesus, who was crucified and risen again, has all these wonderful attributes for the church. The church which is, is his body. The fullness of him that filleth all in all. The blessings that the Ephesians were being made to realize were theirs in Christ Jesus. Let us take stock of our lives and see. 
if we can't get rid of some of the rubbish out of our lives so that we may be filled again with all that Jesus Christ wants for us and is there for us in him we're going to verse 7 he says remember the days of old consider the years of many generations ask thy father and he will show thee thy elders and they will tell thee three things if we're going to take stock we need to do remember remember it's always a good thing to remember what God has done when we come to take communion Jesus said do this in remembrance of me remember him remember his death remember what he has done for you remember those verses there in Ephesians that Christ is now seated at the right hand of God interceding for you and for me remember the hymn writers have constantly brought this to our attention three separate verses from three different hymns remember thee and all thy pains and all thy love to me yea while a breath a pulse remains will I remember thee king of my life I crown thee now thine shall the glory be lest I forget thy thorn crowned brow lead me to Calvary that man of Calvary has won my heart for me and died to set me free blessed man of Calvary the man of Calvary has won my heart from me and died to set me free blessed man of Calvary Moses says remember remember and then he goes on to say consider consider look at Hebrews 12 read a passage from Hebrews 12 verse 1 wherefore seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses let us lay aside every weight and the sin which doth so easily beset us and let us run with patience the race that is set before us here again we have the idea of laying aside every weight getting rid of those things in our lives which are holding us back I've always said it before you don't see a guy in the London Marathon well you might but in a serious marathon the serious runners are running in shorts and singlets get rid of all the things they don't see a fellow who wants to win the London Marathon or a woman who wants to win the London Marathon running along in one of these stupid dresses or an overcoat if we want to win the prize which is set before us looking unto Jesus we want to get rid of all those things which will hold us back so that we can run to win the prize the crown which Paul says he was going to get so run with patience the race that is set before us 
looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. For consider him. Think over about him. Ponder what he has done. He died on the cross. He endured the pain and the suffering of the cross and the, the, the weight of our sins which were placed on him. Why? He despised that. Because of the joy that was set before him, his father's name would be honoured and he would be glorified. And sinners would come to him in repentance and faith and he would see you and me brought nigh through his precious blood. And he says, consider him. Ponder about him. Think over what he has done. Remember him. That endured such contradiction of sinners against himself. Lest we be wearied and faint in your minds. And thinking about that. Do you feel things are getting you down? Oh, talk yourself up. Pull yourself out of it. Paul's advice or the writer to the Hebrews' advice is consider him. Look away from yourself and consider what Jesus Christ has done. Aches and pains getting you down. Consider him who suffered and bled and died for each one of us. Weary, faint in your mind lest ye be wearied and faint in your mind. Well, how can we get out of that? Consider him. Consider what Jesus Christ has done and rejoice in the salvation which we have in Jesus Christ. And then it goes on in verse 6, 7 to say, Ask. Ask thy father. Now, what they were being advised to do is to seek out the elders. Those men who were grounded and knew what had happened in the past and talk to them. You know, we should seek out people who are grounded in the faith. Who have written books which are in accordance with the scriptures, doctrines and truths. But then, more importantly, it says, Ask thy father. You know, we used to sing a chorus. Ask, ask, ask. It shall be given unto you. Seek, 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 and ye shall find. Knock, knock, knock. It shall be opened unto thee. For your heavenly father is so kind. He knows what is best for his children. He has such a loving mind so ask 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 knock 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 seek and ye shall find so often 
we go to our Father in heaven as a, a second idea. We should do it as the first priority. When problems come, when troubles come, take the advice of this verse. Ask thy Father. And Paul also, actually, when he was writing, or Peter also, when he was writing in First Peter 5, verse 5, he says, Likewise ye younger, submit yourselves unto the elder. Yea, all of you be subject one to another. That's more important. All be subject one to another. And be clothed with humility. Perhaps that is a grace which is lacking these days. For God resisteth the proud and giveth grace to the humble. So that's an interesting verse. Remember the days of old. Consider, ask thy father and he will guide thee. Now, go on to verse 8. Now, the, the, this verse uh, actually brings before us a very important and interesting subject. When the Most High divided to the nations their inheritance, when he separated the sons of Adam, he set bounds of the people according to the number of the children of Israel. Have you ever wondered why that little strip of land called Israel today, not much bigger or smaller perhaps than the size of Ireland, why it is so important, not many people there, a few million, and you take it in relation to the millions throughout the world, millions of Muslims, millions of Hindus, millions of uh, Buddhists, millions of nominal Christians. Why is that little strip of land so important? And here we have a reason which was foreordained by God many years ago. God set the bounds for the nations. When God separated the sons of Adam and the nations, he, he created boundaries for these nations. Each nation didn't just go and grab a bit of land for themselves. God set the bounds by order, by his appointment. And the land of Canaan was that portion now occupied by Israel and will be for all time. That portion of land will always be a bone of contention to all the nations until the second coming of Jesus to that land and he sets up his millennium kingdom. Remember, Satan does not want to see that kingdom come. 
So there will be much trouble as prophesied after the rapture during the great tribulation there will be great trouble especially in that land until the Lord comes and sets up his millennium kingdom. Man considers Israel as a nuisance a small unimportant nation they will have boycotts against it they will have uh, biased opinions about it they will condone attacks on Israel they may set up conferences to consider its destiny they may appoint people like the warmonger Tony Blair to be a peace envoy to try and sort the Israel question but you know God looks down he has appointed that portion of land for Israel and man may try and man will try to obliterate that but it will stand people like this should read Isaiah chapter 40 Here's what verse 15 says. Behold, the nations are as a drop of a bucket and are counted as the small dust of the balance. Behold, he taketh up the isles as a very little thing. A drop in the bucket. When you go to measure out your potatoes in the balance, there's a bit of dust in the in the in the in the holder. It's unimportant. That's how God judges these nations that have high opinions of themselves. Going on to verse 21 in Isaiah 40, have ye not known? Have ye not heard? Hath it not been told you from the beginning? Have ye not understood from the foundations of the earth? It is he that sitteth upon the circle of the earth, and the inhabitants thereof are as grasshoppers that stretch out the heavens as a curtain and spread them out as a tent to dwell in. Just stopping there for a minute. The circle of the earth. Where are all these flat earth people of years ago? If they'd read their Bible, the circle of the earth it was already there in scripture if they'd only read it the one that bringeth the princes to nothing he maketh the judges of the earth as vanity yea they shall not be planted yea they shall not be sown yea their stock shall not take root in the earth and he shall also blow them blow upon them and they shall wither and the whirlwind shall take them away as double to whom then will ye liken me or shall I be equal saith the Holy One lift up your eyes on high and behold who hath created these things that bringeth out their host by number he calleth them all by names by the greatness of his might for that he is strong in power not one faileth 
Why sayest thou, O Jacob, and speakest to Israel, My way is hid from the Lord, and my judgment is passed over from my God? Hast thou not known, hast thou not heard that the everlasting God, the Lord, the creator of the ends of the earth, fainteth not, neither is weary? There is no searching of his understanding. He giveth power to the faint, and to them that have no might, he increaseth strength. Well, things may look bad for Israel, but someday God will act in righteous judgment against those nations which have treated his brethren foolishly. Goes on, even the youths shall faint and be weary, and the young men shall utterly fail and fall. But they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. God has set a band for these nations. They will go so far and no further. Now, he has provided this land as an inheritance for Israel. We've seen in our study of Deuteronomy, God has provided and this inheritance as a dwelling place for his people. Look at verse 10. Talking of Israel. He found him in a desert land and in the waste howling wilderness. He led him about, he instructed him, he kept him as the apple of his eye. I think that's a lovely expression. He found him in a desert and howling waste wilderness. He led him. He, they, he led them forth. He instructed them. And he kept them. He found them. Verse 10. He led them. He instructed them. And he kept them. Four wonderful things God did for Israel. What a glorious picture of what God has done for us through our Saviour, Jesus Christ. He found them, he led them, he instructed them, and he kept them. Here's the verse of a hymn I saw. I don't know the hymn, but I thought it was nice words. Like a father seeks a wayward child Thou hast sought me o'er the desert wild, sick and helpless, by my sin defiled, I am coming home. Coming home, no longer in the path of sin to roam, I'm coming home, Lord Jesus, I'm coming home. He found them, 
He found them in a desert land. And you know, we are assured that he will lead us through this world, this wilderness, this place that provides no, no food or fellowship for a Christian. And he will lead us through this world. It says actually, uh, he led him about. He came out of Egypt and they didn't go the straightest way to the promised land. They went about, round about the wilderness. He could have gone straight to the promised land. But that's not the way it is. When we become Christians, we, God could take us immediately to glory. But he has placed us here to be his witnesses, to be his ambassador in this world. We have to be here representing him until he takes us to be with himself. But while we're here, he says, I will never leave you. The, the, the thought there is, I'll never let you sink. I'll never let you sink. And I won't forsake you. I won't abandon you or, or leave you behind. Remember, years ago when I was in Nepal, we were going out and we're going up these mountains uh, to, to inspect some work which had been done on, on uh, water schemes and things. And we, we, the lads would get ahead of me and we'd arrive. And I'd stick my head in a bucket of cold water in order to get my breath back. And when I was just about ready, they were on the way nearly, leaving me behind. They didn't actually leave me behind, but I know the feeling that I was always last up and last to leave again. But Jesus said, I'll never leave you behind. There'll be no stragglers in the church. He will nurture the lambs. And then it says, he instructed him. God will instruct us. The Holy Spirit, he gives us his Holy Spirit to indwell us. And to teach us, and to be with us, and to comfort us, and instruct us. He gives us discernment. Like the psalmist prayed, we should pray, Teach me thy way, O Lord, show me thy paths, instruct me daily as we go through this earth. You know, one of our Lord's instructions given in the Great Commission is that after we make disciples and baptize new believers, it is to teach them, to instruct them in all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And he instructed Israel. And then the wonderful thing is, he kept him as the apple of his eye. Wonderful consolation for Israel that God was looking over them, keeping them. Wonderful consolation for us. Canaan had been chosen by God for an inheritance for Israel. And we are kept, we are led, we are instructed, and we are kept until we arrive at our inheritance. 
We've read this passage so often, but it's worth reading again. 1 Peter 1, verse 3, and so on. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, which according to his abundant mercy hath begotten us again unto a lively hope. Have you got a lively hope by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead? That's our hope. Jesus Christ rose from the dead and because of his resurrection we have a lively hope that whatever God says and whatever we look forward to in the future he will fulfill. The hope is to earn an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled and that fadeth not away reserved in heaven for you. Our name is written in heaven on that inheritance and we have the Holy Spirit in our lives as the deposit, the surety of our final inheritance in heaven. And then it says, remember what? He kept Israel. Who are kept by the power of God through faith unto salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. Wherein ye greatly rejoice, though now for a season. Remember, he led them about. He led them about. Now for a season ye are in heaviness through manifold temptations. We still have to live in this world for a season. That the trial of your faith, being much more precious than of gold that perisheth, though it be tried with fire, might be found unto praise and honour and glory at the appearing of Jesus Christ. That's why we suffer temptations and problems and things. So that when we come through that, though it be tried with fire, might be found unto the praise and honour and glory at the appearing of Jesus Christ. It's to bring glory to God in our lives. Whom having not seen ye love, in whom though now ye see him not, yet believing, ye rejoice with joy unspeakable and full of glory, receiving the end of your faith, even the salvation of your souls. Great passage that. We have an inheritance in heaven which is guaranteed we'll get through the indwelling Holy Spirit as our deposit of the surety. You know, we were thinking this morning, trying to think of the words of a hymn. Do you know when you, you want a hymn and you're trying to think the words? And this is the hymn. And I think it's suitable that we should end with this uh, after this little talk. I'm not ashamed to own my Lord or to defend his cause maintain the honour of his word the glory of his cross Jesus my God I know his name his name is all my trust nor will he put my soul to shame nor let my hope be lost firm as his throne his promise stands and he can well secure what I've committed to his hands till the decisive hour. Then will he own my worthless name before his father's face.
and in the new Jerusalem appoint my soul a place. Amen.